when we last saw Marion, she had been kidnapped by the evil Balak and chained to a column. The problem is our hero Indy wouldn't cross the deep cavern in order to save her. Where is Indy? I don't know. I'm just the narrator. Indy? Never fear. Indy is here. What, what took you so long? I feel like I've been chained here for two weeks. Wah. Okay, I, I've got it covered now. got everything I need. So. so, what is all that for? Um, well, it's my plan. Actually, it's my backup plan. Um, rope and carabiners to help me get across. Uh, an umbrella to help me balance. And the wings? Oh, those, that's just back up. <laughs> you know, Indy, you don't need that stuff. The, the plank will hold you. You just have to believe and trust. Does our hero truly want to trust? Real question is, is he really willing to risk to gain what's on the other side? Hmm. Well, if you put it that way, there's really only one thing to do. Here it goes. Okay, that is one remarkably strong woman. <clears throat> hey, uh, how many of you, when you came in, you got one of these? Uh, it says mylamesex.com. You got it? Yes? No? How many have already Googled this site? All right. How many got them? You got them? You didn't get them? You're supposed to get them. All right, so let me, let me tell you about them. You're, if you didn't get them, you're going to want to pick them up on the, on the way out. Uh, some of you that have been around here for a while, you know that three years ago, uh, we stopped, had a discussion about sex. It was probably one of the most powerful uh, series that we uh, did together. We're coming back this fall. We're going to reopen the discussion. We're going to change some stuff. Some of the information is going to be new. Some of the information is going to be the best of the best of what we had then. Here's why uh, we feel compelled to do that. This topic, this issue, is an issue that the church has consistently tried to avoid. It's interesting to me uh, because God created sex, and believe it or not, God actually likes sex. And a matter of fact, if you read your Bible, it's full of sex. Some of the guys are going, dude, really? Which chapter is that? Now, it's, see me afterwards, I'll help you out. But it, you get that God's not freaked out about this topic. God has a ton to say about it. And the reality is the, the part about it that's kind of dark and ugly and, and a mess is, is how we've misused and misappropriated uh, this thing. So we just had a very frank, very honest, uh, very open talk about this topic. It's hundreds of people uh, came to know Jesus during uh, that particular discussion three years ago. Uh, scores, I can't even, I don't think we've ever had the front of our auditorium filled with more people after services saying, look, I just got to tell you, my husband just told me that he's been heavily into porn for the last couple of years. I didn't know. Uh, 
people came forward and said, look, my marriage is falling apart. I'm seeing some, you know, just unbelievable, life-changing uh, things going on in people's lives. So we're going back to have the conversation again. And uh, just to kind of get you and I up to speed, and, 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 and you get that, the, that our culture right now is just devastating themselves over this time. I mean, you can't turn on the TV, and they're not selling you a pill that does something or something or something that vibrates. Or, it just, it's crazy. And yet, in the midst of all that information, in the midst of all this talk, we're unhappier than ever within our culture over this very topic. So we're just going to take some time. We're going to talk about it. Let me just catch up on a couple things. In our current culture, think about where this takes us. Think about where this leads. In our current culture, 47%, so you ready? Nearly half, 47% of marriages, one of the spouses will have an extramarital affair. I mean, just think about the devastation of the reality that half of our marriages in America, one of the partners is going to end up being unfaithful. If stats are right, I pray that they're not right. Half the pastors in America struggle with pornography. Now, guys, I, that's, that's crazy scary, if that's even close to being true. Anybody know the age right now, the average age within our culture when someone is exposed to hardcore pornography? Average age, not the young, average age someone is exposed to hardcore pornography in our present culture. Anybody know? 11. 11. That's the average age. Number one age group, number one consumer of online pornography. Okay, what, is it people in their 50s, people in their 40s, people in their 30s, people in their 20s? Number one consumer of online pornography. Anybody know? Children between the ages of 12 and 17. Number one consumer of online pornography. And guys, guys, if that's the case, think about what that implies for the generation. Think about what that implies for our children's generation. That they're going to be 30-year-olds and go, look, I, I've been looking at this stuff for 20 years. That's just terrifying, guys. 60% of men, when surveyed, said that having sexually explicit conversations with a woman online does not count as infidelity. I mean, guys, this is where we are. This is, this is what's going on around us. We need to have a conversation. And, and here's the deal. If, if you and I have this, it's, it's going to be the fall series, so it's coming up in about five, four or five weeks. If, if you and I just, you and I show up in the room, down, you and I are already halfway convinced. You and I are already halfway there saying, look, we get it, and something's got to change, and, you know, I may need to work on some things. And, but we're already halfway there. Who really needs to be in this room? The guy who hands you the dry cleaning across the counter. Your child's teacher at school your neighbor down the street. Okay, so here's what we're going to ask. We're going to ask you to partner with us on this. And so every single Sunday between now and the series, um, we're, we're going to hand you a card every Sunday. And your assignment, the thing we're hoping you'll join us and do, is just take one card, hand off one card to someone 
You know, I don't care. You can walk up and go, don't read it till I leave. You know, that's okay. You know, you can go, my sex life isn't lame, but, you know, I'm not saying yours is, but it's okay. You know, whatever you have to do, but it's amazing how many people out there are aching to have this conversation because at the end of the day, here's what they know. This can't possibly be everything it was supposed to be. So we're going to have that conversation, please, every week, one card, one invite. Let's get, let's get a room full of people who need to hear this story and hopefully hear about Jesus Christ at the same time, okay? So we're going to do that. Uh, just so you know, there's some billboards going to go up on the freeway. Our mailer this year uh, is going to have this on the cover, okay? So it's out there. It's, it, it's coming. And yes, you and I are going to be the lame sex church. All right. So there you go. All right, here we go. We're going to dive in this morning. We're, uh, we're coming to a conclusion on the series that we've been talking about uh, on finances. It, it's interesting to me. Uh, you get that this is the most volatile thing that we ever talk about in church. We can talk about sex. We, we, can, we can talk about gossip. Uh, we, we can talk about lying. People go, oh, no, I, I get it. No, you're right. Probably shouldn't. But when you talk about this topic, man, people, people get weird. People get angry uh, over this topic. It, it, it probably has more volatility than just about anything else we say. We get, we get uncomfortable in our chairs and, you know, we're trying to find... Why is that? Why, why, does, why does this topic... Because the truth is we've all walked in here and, and talked about things that we knew we shouldn't be doing or we knew needed to change in our life and... Why does this topic hit you and I so hard? Why does, it, why does it have this capacity to make you and I feel so deeply uncomfortable and so angry at the pastor? I'm asking, why? You know, why? And if you and I pause and think, isn't the answer ultimately, because finances are deeply personal, that, that an awful lot of who I am and an awful lot of what I hope will happen is tied into the almighty dollar. We, we kind of said this out loud a couple weeks ago. We said, look, you know, I mean, we, we wouldn't say this out loud, but if you really get down to it, we kind of think this way. See, we, we, we kind of think, look, you know that I love my kids because you've seen how many toys are in their toy box. So apparently I love them a lot. Or, or the wife who says, you know, apparently my husband is more deeply committed than your husband. I mean, have you seen the size of the ring he put on my finger? Or I, I apparently am more successful than you, and apparently I'm more accomplished than you. I mean, my TV's got a good four inches on your TV. So clearly, I'm further down the road than you. God must love me more than He loves you because, I mean, look at the clothes I'm wearing and the car I'm driving. So, apparently, God loves me best I know. And it's interesting that you and I have so much of our self-esteem and so much of our personal worth and so much of our confidence in this. So God forbid that someone come along and challenge this because you're going to get a visceral, you're going to get me angry if you start messing with that. Ultimately, let's just be honest, money is a big deal to us. It's a big deal. Don't talk to me about politics and don't talk to me about my money. We'll be okay. Big deal. 
you get that ultimately money is a big deal to God. Not, not because he has a house payment he needs to make and not because he's waiting to buy the newest BMW. But at the end of the day, God's going to say to you and I, this, this, this is a big deal to me. Grab your Bibles. I think God's going to just kind of say it pretty loud, pretty clear. It's the book of Malachi, chapter 3. And, and if you're not real familiar, um, the easy way to get there is if you just kind of go to like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, so you just kind of flip to the left a little bit. You'll find this book of Malachi, chapter 3. Now, here's the deal. God gets real bold in this. I mean, God's just going to say this. I mean, ugh. and so if when I read this in just a minute, here's what you need. Don't blame me, okay? Blame God. And so if you walk out of here, don't go, stinking Pastor Lynn, go, stinking God. You know, if you're going to write an email, write an email to God, okay? I didn't write it, he wrote it, okay? Here we go. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8, here's what God says, okay? His fault, not mine. Here's what God says about the topic. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then God says something just absolutely remarkable. I, I, don't, I don't remember another time in Scripture that God does this. Look what he says next. Test me. It's almost as if God in this moment says, look, look, I get it, I get it, I get that this is a terrifying topic. I, I get that this fills your heart with fear. I get that on first pass you go, look, 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 no, there's no way this makes sense. And so God says, okay, 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 test me. Test me on this. And, and you just need to note that because we're going to come back a little bit later. We're going to see what, what does God mean. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. I don't know about you, but I mean, I read that. I mean, that's, that's kind of in-your-face, bold. I mean, I, it almost feels like you're on the junior high playground in eighth grade again, and, and the big kid's, you know, drawing a line in the sand and going, step over it, dude. I dare you. I double-dog dare you. You know, I mean, God's going, this is, this is big. I mean, you don't do this, we're in trouble together. How come? Why, why would this topic be a big deal? I mean, I can think about, I mean, why doesn't God say, look, 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 let's talk about adultery. Uh, let, let's talk about cursing. Why, why is this the one he kind of calls us out on? Why, why would, why, I, I don't even, why would this one be so important to God? Is it possible that the reason this topic is important to God 
is because it's important to us. Is it possible that God in this moment says, look, look, so much of who you are, so much of who you and what you trust, your relationship with your dollars is so deeply embedded in your heart that until this gets figured out, until it gets settled, I'll never be Lord of your life. See, isn't, isn't the reality in this room today that many of us, not all of us, but many of us, this is the area of our life that we've just said, look, 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 I, I can follow God when it comes to being a good husband, and, and, and I can follow God when it says be faithful to church, and, 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 and I can follow God. I mean, I got to, but this, this answer is no. And I'm just asking, is it possible because God knew how we were wired, knew who you and I were, and knew that this is the place you and I would stall in our Christian walk? He knew this was the one we just say, I'm, I'm done. I, if, that's the, if that's the next step in my relationship with God, then I guess I'm stopping. Because no, no, I'm not going to do that. And is it possible that because of that, because of that very issue, the very idea that so many of us would stop at this, that God says, we're going to tackle this? Because isn't it true that for many, not all of us, but that for many of us in this room, the number one contender for our hearts is money? That this is the mistress that keeps you and I from being fully committed to God? And if that's the case, no wonder. No wonder God says, look, I just, it's not about the money. I don't need the money. It's about you. <laughs> and it's about how important it is to you and how big it is in your life and how, how you're willing to put me on the shelf over that. That's why this is a conversation we have to have. Jesus, I think, tackles this subject. So grab your Bibles, go with me over to the right a little bit to the book of Luke. It's Luke chapter 16. I think Jesus absolutely spells this out. I, I think he just says, look, here's why this, this question has to get answered for every single one of us that it's absolutely impossible for you and I to move on and ever be fully devoted, fully mature followers of Christ and not fix this issue in our lives. Here's what Jesus said. Get his words. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant, no one has ever been able to do this. It's, it's untenable. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and he will despise the other. And all despise means there doesn't mean you hate, it just means you, you put them in second place. They're, they can't have the center of your heart. And then he goes on to say, you cannot, you can't serve both God and, next word, money. And he, Jesus says, look, look, look. For an awful lot of us in the room, 
the number one contender in our lives for the place that God ought to, is going to be our finances. This is the thing that will ultimately just stop us dead in our tracks. In our, this is the place we'll say to God, God, enough. Stop meddling my life. Stop pushing my Done. Because no, ready? No one can have two masters. And ultimately, you'll have to choose which one. Jesus hits two points. He, hits two. he says, first off, this is a love issue. He says, what you do, what you do here when, when God calls, you will clearly define who you love or what you love. It's a love issue. Let me see if I can help. Be a, be a counselor for a minute. You, you get to be the church counselor. And I want you to imagine for just a moment, a husband and a wife come to see you. They're having problems in their marriage. And actually, the wife is the one that called the meeting, and she begins, and she says, look, here's, uh, here's the deal. My, my husband's just gone completely off the deep end. It started a couple weeks ago when he discovered, by looking into our bank accounts, that I was actually paying for my old boyfriend's apartment. And uh, she said, look, here's, here's what I cannot get him to understand. He ought to just be flattered that I'm with him and not with my old boyfriend, but, but I've got some old commitments here you don't understand. And my old boyfriend's just, you know, kind of one of those guys that's a little listless in life, can't quite figure out, you know, what he's going to do next. And I, I've always just kind of taken care of him, and I can't stop doing that till he gets his life figured out. So I, I've been paying his rent the last couple of years. What really took my husband over the top was when he found out that I bought a car for him. Because our car is breaking down. And some, for some reason, that just didn't make any sense to my husband. But I think the thing that really took my husband over the top was is that in order for us to pay all of our bills, my husband had to go get a second job. So could you just explain to my husband, first off, it's none of his business because the finances are mine. But secondly, that I, I just have some past commitments, some past obligations. i got to take care of those. And then, you know, once I get done and once my boyfriend gets on his feet, I can bring that money back into the family. I can do that. How many of my church counselors are presently on the way to the closet to get the biggest baseball bat they can? How many, maybe a better question, how many husbands in the room Go, dude, I, I don't understand what that guy's problem is. I don't, I don't get it. I, I got a single guy in the room going to go there with me? You, you, you ready? You get that's exactly the conversation that God's having on this topic. That he, he says, look, look, look. <laughs> don't tell me about old commitment. Don't, don't tell me about... He says... Everybody who doesn't know me lives for this. See, that is their boyfriend. That is their love. But you're with me now. And please, please don't tell me that there's old commitments, there's old... You're making an incredibly clear statement about who you love when you're saying, look, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take care of this and, you know, it's there and somewhere, somewhere, God, I'll figure out how to, but right now, I just got to take, H haven't we said that to God a hundred times? 
Ha- haven't we on almost every time this conversation's come up said, God, look, 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 I know, and I know it belongs to you, and I know it belongs in the family, but look, I just, I just got some old charge cards that, that I sh- probably shouldn't have gotten into in the first place. It was probably reckless at the time, but look, if, if, if I've got to choose between disappointing Visa and disappointing you, didn't you and I just make a profoundly powerful statement about first love? See, if you and I get this moment, what we're going to begin to understand is it's not about the money. It's about the fact that I'm so attached to the money and that what I do makes unbelievably strong statements to my Lord. And he would simply say to me, that's the old boyfriend. Please tell me you don't love the old boyfriend more than me. There's a second part which he says, look, not only is this a love issue, it's a devotion issue. Let's go, let's go back to the passage real quick. He says, no servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and uh, love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And, and God said, look, look, ultimately what this boils down to is, who do you trust? See, who, when, when, when things get a little bit tight, where are you leaning for help? See, if, if, if when things are tight, you all of a sudden say to me, this is God speaking, look, I, I can't give you anything. Things are tight. I've got I've to hold a little back. I've got to have a little reserve. I've got to have a place to land. I mean, what if? Then God says, well, you've very clearly declared where your confidence is. You've clearly declared, ready, who is God to rescue you? You've made a huge trust statement when you say, look, I've got to channel my money here so that I can get security because, God, if I gave it away, I don't even, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure all my bills would get paid. I don't. God says, you, you're making very powerful statements about who you trust. I'm a brand new newlywed, and Lisa came home one day from work, and she walked in the front door, swung the front door open, and announced that her brakes were making strange noises. And then the next words out of her mouth bit into my soul. So I'm going to call my dad. I said, well, wait, wait, Lisa, wait, wait. Why are you going to call your dad? She said, well, because my dad is like this unbelievable, he can fix anything. He's the best. And I said, oh, okay, okay, you're right, and your dad is a great mechanic, all that, but you know what? Let, let me go look at it first. Let me, let me see what I can do. She goes, well, why would you do, why would you, my dad's a great, he'll just, he'll fix it just like that. And I went, no, no, at least, at least look. <laughs> I'm your husband. Let me go take first look. All the women in the room are going, what was wrong with you? What? How many men in the room are going, I think I get it? Yeah. Because here's what, here's what that said to my heart as a brand new husband. That my wife was declaring very, very clearly who her first trust was. And it wasn't me. 
And so I had to say to her, look, please, look, please, please, just give me first chance at it. And I, I may not even be as good a mechanic as your dad, but I, I just need to know, I, this is more important than brakes. I need to know that my new bride puts her first trust in me, her husband. So will you give me first pass? You get that God feels exactly the same way. That God says, are, are you kidding? You're telling me that times are tight, and so all of a sudden now you're going to start diverting all your money over here, and you're going to start holding a little tighter, and you're going to start trying to manage the market. Guys, please, please tell me. Please tell me that's not your first trust. Please tell me that I am. That, that at the end of the day, even though, even though I get it, I, you know, you, you, you're not sure you're totally, but just please tell me that I'm first trust in you. And if you're, if you're saying right now, look, 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 that doesn't add up on the dollars and I can't possibly give and I know you've asked, you, you realize what you're saying. You're saying you can't trust me to provide for you when it doesn't add up on your fingers. And he would say, you, you, get your, you get what you've said to my heart. Okay, I need a volunteer. I need, I need a big guy. Ah, okay, big enough. Come on. The last two guys were bigger than me, and so it scared me a little bit. You're, I, think, I think you and I, okay, we could do it. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. You're going to, okay. Okay, and you come over here and stand right here. You're going to be God. So if you would just stand here kind of God-like, all right? Whatever that is. If you could glow a little, that would help, okay? So just be God-like, okay? All right? And all right. Get what Jesus just said to us. It is absolutely impossible to keep this thing balanced, to say, no, 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 look, I'm, I'm going to love my money a little bit, love my God a little bit. I'm going to trust my money a little bit. I'm going to trust God. God. Jesus said, you can't, you can't serve two masters. This is an absolutely untenable spot to be in because what you will ultimately have to do is disappoint one or the other. You have to. You cannot. And so you're ultimately going to end up doing this. You're ultimately going to say, look, God, look, I know what you've asked for. I know you've asked me to trust you with a portion of my giving, trust you with a tithe. I get that, God, but look, it just doesn't make sense right now. I've got all these old obligations to the old boyfriend. I've got, I got all these other commitments, and, and look, if I, I, I could be at minimum payments, minimum payments. Do you know how stupid that is? And so look, God, look, if you will just wait, if you'll just trust me to figure this, and then, and then ultimately when I finally get on top of this, when I can finally get it, you know, a little freed up, and it finally, then I might consider diverting, but if you could just wait. Or my other option is that I got to say, you know what? If I've got to choose between Visa being disappointed and God being disappointed, then I choose, I'll let Visa be disappointed. I will not disappoint my God. I will not send a message that says, I don't love you and I don't trust you, so I'm sorry. I, I'll send you as much as I can. I, I, look, I, 
I, I may have to live a little tighter. I may not get to Starbucks as often, but at the end of the day, I will not. Because, you ready for this? Ultimately, one of these is going to get first place, and one of them is going to get second place, which means one of them has to bow to the other. One of them will be God, and one of them won't. Okay, so, God, you get to bow. No, you get bow. 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 Hands out. Toward the money. There you go. Does this feel wrong to anybody but me? But, but guys, you get that. You get that in every moment when you and I, when God asks and says, honor me first, and you and I say, it doesn't make sense. You're just going to have to be patient. because You just have to wait because Visa takes first place in my life. I'd rather have you disappointed than Visa disappointed. You get what you just did. You said to him, bow to the dollar. Okay, God, we let you stand up. I'm going to argue. As much as this goes against who you and I are culturally, as much as your neighbors are going to look at you and me and think we're just crazy, that the right answer is to require the dollar to bow to my God. That my answer at the end of the day would be, look, I, I don't, I don't, I can't add it up on my fingers. I feel like I'm already living a frugal life. I don't, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm not going to be able to buy the car next year like I thought. It's going to be two years. I, but I will never ask God to bow to my dollar. And if I have to disappoint someone, it will never be my Lord. Which, guys, guys, guys. You get that's why you, if, if you and I give the wrong answer, you and I will never be mature. You and I will never be sold out followers of Christ because our answer was, no, God, you wait because my dollar takes priority over you. And then, guys, if this is not enough, I mean, if this, isn't, if, if this doesn't understand and explain the heart of God, you realize God then comes back. Remember the passage in Malachi? He says, look, 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 test me in this. Test me in this and see if... When you step forward in faith, when you do, see if I won't just throw open the floodgates, of, see if I won't bless you out of your mind. Because the truth is, everything you're worried about, I won't let it happen. Matter of fact, God, stand right here. Okay, right there. Grab your Bibles. One more verse real quick. Luke chapter 6. So just a little bit to the left. Here's what, here's what Jesus says about this topic. You ready? Luke chapter 6. Verse 38, here's what he says, give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And what God's just saying, look, 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 you're crazy if you think you can outgive God. It's just not possible. So, let's get the principle. Okay, so God said, look. Whatever measure you give to me, that's the measure I'll give back to you, pressed down, heaped together, running over, right? So, if you and I decide to give to God in a spoon, come here, God. 
then God says, look, I'm going to give you back with the same measure. No, no, you got it, you got it, because he's going to heap it together. Yeah, you, well, use the spoon, but use your hand. You got to heap, got to heap and press down. And, okay, there you go. So give it back to me. There you go. Okay. Now, guys, this is, think about it. This isn't brain surgery. If that's true, if God's really faithful, if God says, look, look, you can't outgive me, and however you give to me is how I will give back to you. Guys, I'm getting a bigger spoon. <laughs> so go ahead and give back to me. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a cool principle if you think about it. I mean, not only God say, look, this tells me so much about your heart. <laughs> Jeez, I just gave God my leftovers, you realize that. If... When you and I figured, you know, we're, we're going to start giving to God in bowls. Okay, God, get back to me. Let's thank God. God did a great job. I'm a little mad at him. So I'm just going to ask, why does this terrify us so much? And doesn't the very fact that it terrifies us tell us that the conversation we just had is true? That, that we are way, way, way too committed to that. That what we do with that is a huge statement about what we love and what we trust. <laughs> and that we're not really, really sure we believe there's a God who we can't outgive. Which simply means this. For a whole bunch of us in this room, if we're not careful, this is exactly where our Christian life will stall. Because you cannot love two masters. Let's pray. Here's what I'm just going to ask you to do. Heads are bowed. My guess is in this room, every one of us has heard this conversation. This isn't new. And here's what you said in your heart the last time a preacher talked about this. No, 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 I get it. I, I probably should. I, it just doesn't make sense. And so I'm going I'm to wait till I can kind of navigate my finances. I'm going to rearrange. I'm going to try and pay, pay off some bills. And someday, when it makes more sense, I'll begin to give. And here you and I are two years, five years. 20 years later, and we are still stuck disobeying. So what's the answer? God already gave it. Test me. Test me. So here's what I'm going to ask you to consider in your hearts, just this is you and God. What if you tested him? What if for the next 60 days you said, God, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to choose to be faithful. I'm going to choose to make the dollar bow to my Lord. 
and I'm just going to test you to see if you'll be faithful to me in this. If not now, when? 60 days. Dear Lord Jesus, we just simply come before you, and we're just going to be honest today and say, this, this is where. This is where so many of us in this room have stalled. You came and you said to give, and we said no. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to bow to my almighty dollar. And God, our walk with you is stuck. We're not moving forward. The truth is, although people wouldn't know it, we're living in a state of immaturity in our lives because money is Lord and not God. And I'm just going to ask that all around this room, you would just draw the line in the sand, be that eighth grader on the playground, and that today you'd say to us, step over the line. I dare you. I dare you to trust me. I dare you to love me. I dare you to believe me. And that God, all around this room, we'd take the dare. This I say in Jesus' name, amen.